As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. Honestly, my belief is it's being in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. You know, when you first walk in, it's, you know, it smells bad. You realize that the room stinks. But the longer you're in the room, the smell goes away, right? It doesn't mean that the room doesn't stink. It just means your body has desensitized you to that smell. Oh my God, I love this comparison. Yes. You know, so the longer we're in a toxic relationship and we're, we're trying to survive in it, the things that maybe once or the things that maybe from the outside looking in look very abnormal, To us, it seems completely normal because we live it every day. Mm -hmm. We would never realize how bad it was until we step out. Just like when you step out of the stinky room, you're like, oh my gosh, it's stunk in there. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm happy to have you here today. And we're talking about something that I think is really going to resonate with you. We are focusing on toxic relationships, how to be aware that we're in them, how to find the courage to leave them, and how to heal after them. And we're talking with Heidi Brocky, a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. After spending 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, She broke the chains and turned her past into her passion. She left her 24-year career in healthcare to use her life experience and education to be the person she needed when she herself was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship to provide hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. She has her own podcast called It's Not Normal, It's toxic. Rid your life of toxic people with over a million listens worldwide. She's an international keynote speaker, recipient of Empowering Women in Business of the Year Award by Inspiring Lives Magazine, and has been featured in both Forbes and Time Magazines for the dedication given to her clients and for her work in the toxic relationship area. Wow. Amazing. Heidi, thank you for being here. Yeah, but when you read those bios, they sound so fancy that like I was intrigued by listening. <laughs> I know. Every time I'm introduced, I want to go like hide under my desk. I'm like, who is that? That's that's wonderful. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, I'm like, you and I share a common thread. We both became who we needed most in our times of need. And I think that that is, the, I'll get real deep here for a second, the true meaning of life. It's giving back for what you know is really needed. And so kudos to you right off the bat for doing what you do. But why don't you give us a little more about your story? Um, Well, 
you know, when you ask somebody their story about a toxic relationship, people are like running for the whiskey and a pillow and a blanket because they're so, you know, they're, they're huge. So, okay, um, well, let's start with this. Hold on. How would you define a toxic relationship? Okay. So, so when I chose, I started this, um, this business six or seven years ago. And when I originally chose to use use the word toxic, it was because I wanted a blanket phrase. Now, I mean, now you see the word toxic everywhere, but everywhere. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a blanket phrase. It is not a diagnosis. It's a, it's a blanket phrase and it's an adjective that's used to describe any relationship in the status that it's in that is unhealthy for you mentally, physically, or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we say any relationship, you know, you and I are, are talking about intimate relationships and, and marriages probably most normally, but a toxic relationship can be in a friendship. It can be in a coworker situation. It could be in family circles, social circles. Um, so it's, it engulfs any relationship that you are not able to be yourself in, feel comfortable in and toxic relationships are on any level. You know, they can be very mild and they can be all the way up to the people that I help escape from them. You know, the stories you hear about on the news. Right. So the obvious for me are the ones we hear about on the news. And I think that there's this notion that women carry with them that, oh, it's not that bad. People have it so much worse. So it's probably not that toxic. Right. And then they come out and they tell their stories years later and they're like, whoa, that was pretty bad. Why do you think we condition ourselves to believe it's not that bad when we're in it? Well, honestly, my belief is it's, being in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. You know, when you first walk in, it's, it, you know, it smells bad. You realize that the room stinks, but the longer you're in the room, the smell goes away, Yeah, right? It doesn't mean that the room doesn't stink. It just means your body has desensitized you to that smell. Oh my God, I love you know, this comparison. Yes. You know, so the longer we're in a toxic relationship and we're we're trying to survive in it, the things that maybe once or the things that maybe from the outside looking in look very abnormal to us, it seems completely normal because we live it every day. Mm-hmm. We don't real we don't, we would never realize how bad it was until we step out. Just like when you step out of the stinky room, you're like, oh my gosh, it's stunk in there. And looking back, you can go, oh my goodness, that was terrible. How did I ever make it? Mm-hmm. Because, and, and this is kind of my healthcare comes in here too. Innate intelligence is the body's natural tendency to take care of itself. Right. So when you're in a situation where you're, you know, you're dealing with a lot of emotional pain, your body's going to go, oh, they're not going to be able to handle this much pain on a continual basis. So let's just start desensitizing the feelings and start desensitizing the emotions so that there's, there's not so much emotional pain going on. So we kind of, we kind of become numb. So it's, you know, you tell your friends what's going on and they're like, what? And you're like, yeah, it's like, it's a daily thing. You know? Well, it sounds to me like the room you were in, like really stunk, like real bad, like skunk level. Yeah. Except that I would have never known it when I was in it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think, you know, part of my story starts from where I was, was raised. I was raised on a little dairy farm in the middle of Montana, in this little Christian community where like all of these people went to church together, went to school together, grew up together. And it was, it was very, very protected from the outside world, really. Um, and so then when I left and went to graduate school, I would have never thought that there was people out here because I had only ever been exposed to, you know, the people of my community. Right. And um, so, of course, 
you know, through graduate school, that's where I had, that's where I met my former husband. And it was, it was red flags from the get go. Uh, I am obviously a healthcare provider. I did, I forgot to ask you if you had had a career, but, but it's, it's your service oriented, emotionally wired people that are going to find themselves tripping into these type of relationships uh, yeah. because oh. we're good, kind, caring, loving. We want to help mm-hmm. people. We don't want conflict. We're the peacekeepers, you know? So when you have a, a personality that, that is driven and, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to emphasize it, whether it's the bully on the playground or it's, it's the more toxic, say like, like the one I ended up getting away from there, the toxic personality is all driven by the same thing. And, and when you can see it from the perspective of what motivates the toxic person, instead of this is what they said, and this is what they did. When you start asking yourself, why are they saying it? And why are they doing it? That's where you're going to gain your power because once once you understand it, you're just going to go, oh, so so if you run into a personality that is seeking self security, self security is the one thing that the toxic person lives for. Mm-hmm. They need to feel secure in themselves, and it doesn't matter how much they put into their own life, they will never put enough into their own life to feel secure. So what they do is they strategically place people in their life that bring them the things that they need to feel secure. And and, and then when the- you when you set a boundary with that toxic person, god forbid, you are the devil. Yes. And and part of the like the boundaries thing, um so some of the things that they need to feel secure, they want they need to feel control. And and we all know that that's a big one. Everything seems controlling. They power, they want to feel power, they need the attention and they love admiration. So if you were a toxic person and you needed somebody that was going to supply you with those things, you would target the kind, caring, good, loving, helping, supportive, conflict avoider. Yep. I know everybody listening to this is probably just like nodding in their cars right now. And 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 I am too. I mean, my background as an educator, um, you know, I, I like to fix, I like to nurture. So I get that. I get it completely. We take it upon ourselves to think, that how, how did I pick this person? And in reality, you know, and especially in my case, he definitely picked me because I kept telling him no about dating, you know, and okay, fine. Cause he would exhaust you. So fine. I'll go on a date and fine. I'll go on another date. And it was like, ta-da, then I was married. Yeah. You know, and it's just, we don't want to hurt feelings. And so we compromise a lot of ourselves thinking that not realizing that we're only in their life to supply them with things. We would never notice that in the beginning. So you said there were red flags, but you couldn't really smell the stink as bad as it was. When did you realize you were in a toxic relationship? And what does this moment look like for a lot of the women you work with? Well, um, I think the easiest way to explain it, if we go back to the four things that they need, Mm -hmm. the control, the power, the attention, and the admiration, when you are in the beginning of a relationship, you know, you, you have certain goals you know, companionship, partnership, intimacy, emotional support. And we wouldn't get into relationships if, if, if we weren't seeking that type of thing. But because they are only in relationships for security in, in themselves, in the beginning, they pretend that their goal is the same as yours. You know, so you head down this relationship road thinking, oh, this is going to be the best relationship. So it's in that moment in the relationship that you are feeding their attention and admiration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the beginning of all relationships feel okay. 
you know, you're learning new stuff, you're doing new stuff. It's exciting. It's, you know, whatever. So, oh, we get all of our attention. And so, so in order to kind of get us sucked in close enough, they give, they give us a ton of attention also. And I, you know, the therapy term for this is, you know, is love Love bombing. Yeah. They like everything you like. They love your interest. They love your hair. They love that you're financially stable. They love your friends. They love, you know, they love all of this. So you go, they just really love me for who I am. And, and most of your people that are in a toxic relationship can tell you, but all of a sudden there was a shift. All of a sudden, one day they called me a name or they'll say, uh, everything was fine until we moved in together or everything was fine until we got married or everything was fine until the first baby was born. There's, there's usually a, a significant, all of a sudden a shift. And it's at that point where they have learned enough about you and have kind of dug into your emotional side enough that they can, they can kind of control your emotions. And that's when they move you from the one who is the big attention and admiration supplier and they scoot you over into the one that they're now feeling power and control over. And, you know, then a lot of times what happens is that's when infidelity happens, or that's when, you know, they get a career and they're working a lot or because now that they've got you over here, that's feeding them a ton of power and control, even though our attention is still on them. Um, they'll seek them the attention and admiration from other sources. Wow. This is so eye opening because you, you know, this is a pattern that I've heard a million times. And yes, the term toxic personality or toxic person is way overused, but it really at the same time can apply to so many of the high conflict people. My, my Mm -hmm. clients are divorcing or who I hear about, you know, raising the most hell and in my circle of friends, which ex-husband, but to go deeper than that, are these toxic personalities rooted in something more in your mind? Are they, you know, is this a personality disorder? Are they just a high conflict individual? Usually those go hand in hand. Where do you see people of that nature falling on that spectrum? So because I'm, because I'm not a licensed mental health professional, I I would never diagnose somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell if you're if you're seeking validation and you're wanting to know if this is really something because you're starting to feel like you're nuts. Yes, research the diagnoses by all means. Mm-hmm. Okay, but at the end of the day, I always have to say you have to not care if they have a diagnosis. You have to not care if they had a traumatic upbringing. Thank you for you, saying this. You you have to not care if they have an addiction because at the end of the day, that does not make the relationship any healthier for you. And the problem with us, who are the kind, caring, giving, loving, the minute we know they have an addiction, the minute we know they have a traumatic upbringing, the minute that we know they have a diagnosis, what do we do? We feel so Poor sorry. Him. Yeah. For them. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? And, and it's, it's really a lot of those things play into the reason that they're insecure. Now, where they, how this happens, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of different ways that somebody can develop, you know, this this type of personality. It could be a traumatic upbringing. It could be a neglectful or abusive upbringing. It could be genetic. I don't, you know, I don't know. I know that the empathetic part of the brain that is kind, caring, loving, and giving, it develops very early, like between the ages of one and three. Mm -hmm. So if someone doesn't get a lot of nurturing and a lot of empathy and a lot of, you know, just really close emotional contact Mm -hmm. between the ages of one and three, that's not, that's not going to develop. And if it, if nobody ever comes in, you know, between the ages of three and say 16 to, to get that part of the brain to develop, 
it's it's not going to. And and then we end up with the people that have zero empathy and don't care if they hurt your feelings and you know don't really care if they cheat on you and don't care if they threaten you um, because they they don't have the capacity to feel like we do. Or the, the ability to look at themselves, no self-awareness. Well, you know, and so, so I teach 21 of the character traits of the toxic person. And, and one of, you know, a lot of those are, you know, they're never going to take the blame. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be your fault. They're not going to apologize. And right. the reason they, they honestly do not believe that they have done anything wrong. The, and the problem is you and I, in these relationships, we sit there and look at them and we think, why don't they just act more like us? You know, how come they can't be nice? How come they don't just act normal? We keep looking to see ourselves in them when they are wired completely different than us. You know, so we over explain ourselves and we try to make them see why, why they're hurting us. And we try to, you know, try to communicate better. And, and they, they don't even comprehend that because they don't, they don't think like us. So they would never think kindly and compassionately, but all we can, all we can think about is praying that they'll change and begging them to change and asking them to change. And, you know, and at the same time, we don't like it when they ask us to change. Right. Absolutely. So, so it it just ends up that you have to get to a point where you, you accept them for who they are, not who you want them to be. And then once you do that, then the decision is made. Now, now, now with the knowledge I have, and I know what drives and what motivates his behavior, can I stay in this relationship or is this a no-go for me? Right. Hey everyone, I've now added courses to my website because you know what? There can never be enough information out there as you're navigating divorce and co-parenting. Am I right? So if you're just thinking of getting divorced and don't know where to start, I have the perfect course for you. It's called, It's Time to Leave My Marriage. Now what? And it gives you all the steps from what questions to ask your lawyer to when to even reach out to a lawyer, how to break the news to your ex and your family, and most importantly, how to handle it with your kids. My other course is how to safeguard your relationship with your children when you're dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse. You know, if you have someone who's going to badmouth you in front of the kids. All of this is important stuff to know. So head on over to my website, momsmovingon.com and check out the courses tab today. How is it already 2022? Wow. Well, you know what that means. In just a few short weeks, my first book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self will finally be out in stores. But it is available for pre-order now. So don't forget to grab a hold of that because for everybody who pre-orders, I'll be holding a special publishing day event just for you. Email info at momsmovingon.com for more information. So we come to this realization and it's like, okay, now what? So maybe you could walk us through how you had that light bulb moment and what you did next to protect yourself from leaving the toxic person. Okay. So I did not have a light bulb moment until I was already out. Okay. Uh, but, but to the people who are listening, because you have mentioned that you have, you have clients that are having high conflict divorces. Yes. The one thing that you have to remember is, is you're having a high conflict divorce because you had a high conflict marriage. Mm-hmm. And and I think what happens is we finally file for divorce and we think, oh, good, this is this is almost over. 
But in the toxic person's mind, their goal for them is not, doesn't have anything to do with the relationship. Their goal is to feel control over you so they feel secure. So once you file and they realize this is happening, the only thing they have left to control you with is the divorce process and the kids. So they're going to make the divorce process as absolutely horrible on you as they can because it's it's one of the last two things that they have left. So they're not going to show up for hearings and they're not going to turn their paperwork in on time and they're not going to agree to anything and, and, and they're going to want everything. And what's also fun is you you will always be the villain in their eyes. It's not like the divorce ends and you start co-parenting and it's water under the bridge. It's something they will carry with them forever. And I'm very clear on that when women say to me, I just can't wait to be done. I'm like, but you have to understand what done means. Done is something you have to own and you have to proceed with knowing that this person is always going to feel the way that they feel. Yes. And so so basically that's another thing that that I have to remind my clients. They want to co-parent so bad. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. what made you think that someone that you couldn't parent with in a marriage is now all of a sudden going to turn into this great co-parent? Okay, they're not going to because the whole goal in their life is to control you. So once the divorce process is over, there's only one thing left and it's the kids. I have had clients come to me just bawling, saying they should have never got divorced because it was way easier when they were married than dealing with the co-parent after they were married. So, you know, how I approach that We talked about the four things that the toxic personality needs. The only reason after your divorce that you're still in their life is because you're still feeding them with one or more of those four things. So what I teach people to do is how to interact with them without giving them what they want. How does that work? Give me an example. So you get a text from your ex-husband. You never do anything right. She should be reading these books at bedtime instead of those books. And you respond, because you want to not fight with the person. Okay, you're right. I'll get those books too, right? And then Mm -hmm. you've now given the person the control, but you think you're diffusing a fight. So what would you recommend in that situation? Okay, let me back up here just a little bit. So we know what drives the the toxic person, right? The self-security. But you also have to remember that a toxic personality is emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. What emotional abuse means is when someone uses your emotions to get what they need. Okay, so if they can make you happy, if they can make you sad, if they can make you mad, angry, feel guilty, if they can say or do something that elicits an emotional reaction, they feel in control. And and for the listeners who are going through a divorce, and if you're divorcing somebody like this, I bet 99% of you heard something like, I can't believe you're breaking up the family. (laughs) And, And immediately we feel so guilty. If we would stop for a minute and go, Okay, just because he says I'm breaking up the family, why does why does that have to put guilt on me? Because when you look at the family, this isn't a family. This is a controlled, very abusive, destructive place. But all they have to do is say, you're breaking up the family. And we go, oh, you're right, forget it. Mm-hmm. I'll drop the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. So, so that's an example of how they, they say something or do something to make you feel an emotion so that they can get what they want. Yes. So, so when you're co-parenting and this is this, we cannot change what they say or do. The only thing we can change is how we let it affect us. Yeah. Right. So when, when you get the text that says she should be reading these books at bedtime and you're, you know, you're a whole, you're a horrible parent and I can't believe blah, 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 blah. So somebody will send me that text and say, how should I respond? If we read through that full text and all it is, is bashing, 
we don't respond. We don't respond, right. But if it does say all of the things I just said and then says, what time are you picking Sally up on Saturday? You read through that whole bashing message and you pretend it's invisible. You don't address any of that. And then your answer is five o'clock. Sin. Because, because they're emotionally abusive, we have to learn to take the emotion out of interacting yes. with yeah. Anytime we inject emotion, they've got us. Right. And the, the first thing you have to realize is it's a game, right? Like you need two people to play the game. If you're not playing it, it's just a one-sided thing that will be, that will stay on one side and won't bleed into your life. I made all of the mistakes in the beginning, you know, pulling over my car on the side of the road so I could fire back and prove yeah. them wrong. And, and where did that get or, me? Or, or, you know, not even prove them wrong, but they have trained us that if we don't respond, we're going to be in trouble. Right. Right. So we get a pit in our stomach because now they just send us this and now we have to that respond. Pit. That pit. You know I, yes, I hate that yeah. pit, but it's, I'm not just like, it's not just an ex-husband thing for me. It's like anybody who puts that pressure on you, anybody who thinks, you know, your time belongs to them and, and you deserve to explain to that, like that whole thing, there's friends like that. There's employees, there are bosses, like there are people like that. And it's just ridiculous. Now I have two things and I can't, I can't forget to say each one of them. So now I got to keep my head straight. But so back back to the, they train you to respond and you were pulling Mm -hmm. over on the side of the road. Part of that is, you know, you want to say something back or you, or you want to, you know, get your word in, but have the last word. Yeah. But in reality, you know, we know that if, if we don't respond, we're going to get 27 texts. If we do respond, we're going to get 27 texts. Right. So that's what they've trained us to respond. So we feel like if we don't respond, we're going to be in trouble. You're in trouble when you respond too. So what's the difference? We have a saying over here in the mom's world, Heidi, in the mom's moving on world, mute that mofo. Because Mm -hmm. if your children are not with them and you don't need to hear from them for any reason, you absolutely don't need to hear from them for any reason. And the mute function on the iPhone is a lifesaver. I can't even tell you. Because for a lot of women who are still emotionally raw from coming out of these relationships and having endured it and just lived in fight or flight for so long, even seeing the alert, the notification on your phone is enough to ruin your day because you're thinking, yep. okay, I don't want to look at it, but what is it? And oh my God. And so just sending that notification somewhere else is a wonderful, wonderful place to start yep. if you're trying to separate emotionally. Yes. And and then we were just talking about the pain in your stomach. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't, we didn't have time to, I mean, I don't know anything necessarily about, you know, your relationship that you're talking about, but that's also your, your that's your gut. Your body knows where it's safe and your body knows where it's not safe. And so once you've been in an environment like this, your body is going to trigger that pain in your stomach when something is uncomfortable because your body doesn't know if that's my ex-husband that I'm dealing with or if that's just the coworker down down the way, but they make me uncomfortable also. So it's almost like your body gets to where there's no there's no middle anxiety ground. You're either fine or you have a pain in your stomach. Because mm-hmm. your your body's just really going, something's not safe because mm-hmm. I lived this for so many years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And and I always tell people too, uh, back to the mute, the mofo, you only have to talk to them about the kids, the kids schedule and money occasionally. Well, people don't realize, and it's, I think the people pleasing nurturer in all of us, right? If I'm nicer, he won't be so rude. No, not going to happen. But people don't realize that their parenting plan 
was designed in the event that these two individuals never spoke again. You have everything Mm -hmm. mapped out for you. Mm -hmm. So really there is nothing to talk about unless your court order specifies otherwise. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is the part of my story that now looking back, I am not proud of, but everything happens like it's supposed to. And I have, I have been able to use this to teach a ton of people. Um, I was divorced. I talk on my podcast about the day I ran away. Um, I was very fearful of my former, of my former husband. And I left six times. I went back seven times. And a lot of that was the breaking up our family thing. And I felt guilty or he would threaten me and I would go back. And, um, and I finally filed for divorce. Okay. I convinced him to get a divorce and which took about a year and a half, but he would not divide the property. He would not sign a parenting plan. He would not let me out of my business and he wouldn't divide the money. And if I wanted a divorce, he was, he was writing the divorce papers. Okay. I wanted to hear this all the time because I mental, I mentally needed to be out. I knew that I couldn't sustain trying to take care of my kids and stay in that marriage. So I said, whatever. So we signed the divorce papers. We practiced together. So I saw him every day, but I was so excited to have the divorce papers in my hand and nothing changed for two years. We had, we had separate houses on the opposite ends of property. And other than that, not one thing changed. changed. Right. You know, the money was still together. Um, the, the, the kids were with him when he said they were with him. Uh, the property was all still together. He would threaten me if he thought I was going to date, but he could have girlfriends. Um, and so when I talk about the day I ran away, I had been divorced for two years, the day I ran away and I ended up leaving my kids. I left my, I gave my practice to him. I, I moved four hours south with nothing. And um, it sounds awful and I feel terrible. And I always get tears in my eyes when I have to talk about the fact that I left my kids. Um, You're been not with them alone as- in this though. Many women yeah. do that to try and survive. Well, and it's the survival, but I looked at my kids too and thought, if this is the only example of a female that they have in their life, and this is what they're watching, if I don't get out of here, they're never, they're never going to have an example. Right. And, um, and so I left and he kept my kids from me for five years. I didn't see wow. him or talk. Oh my so gosh. Now they're, they're grown now and, and everything's fine. Um, but that was, that was the hardest thing for me, um, to deal with was the guilt that I left my kids. But when I, you know, I was thinking about the title of your podcast, and the whole mom's moving on thing, you know, that was the hardest thing I had done was yes. Okay. You're in all this drama and all this chaos when you're in the relationship and then you get out and you have no identity. I didn't have a practice. I didn't have patience. I didn't have any money. I wasn't a wife anymore. I had left all my friends and I, now I'm a mom without kids. So when I was in a room by myself and there was nobody telling me what Oh, you're a doctor, or you're a wife, or oh, you're a mom. I had no idea who I was because right. you know I've been running been. around for him for so long. My and heart aches dig- for you right now. I can't even imagine that digging that digging deep and then having to try and find yourself and you're scared of everything and you don't dare make decisions and what if this and what if that and and trying to do all that without being able to communicate with my kids. So for anybody out there that is feeling like you you can't do it and you can't cut them off and your kids are suffering and 
start focusing on yourself. What you want, what you want is you want to be moving your life forward and this divorce process be something that's going on in the background. Because, because the divorce process right now isn't anything different than the marriage. The marriage held you back from living your life. The divorce process is holding you back from living your life. And co-parenting will hold back hold you back from living your life because it doesn't have anything to do with the relationship with you. They want control of you. Yes. So once once you can remember that he's saying, I keep saying he. I know that there's men that are in the same situation. I think I say he because that's where I came from. But um, once you realize that the toxic personality is only after control, so they feel secure, and you repeat that to yourself a thousand times a day, you can start consciously focusing on moving your life forward. They will hate it, and it will get worse for a little bit when you start moving your life forward. But for those of you who are the moms that are moving on, move move on. The divorce process is gonna it's gonna do what it does anyway. Yep. And here's the most important thing I like to have everybody remember his unhappiness or his emotional upheaval or whatever he's spewing your way or she, because they're so unhappy with the fact that you've made this choice is not your problem. For a long time, I, I sold bracelets with the letters NMFP, not my fucking problem, as a mm-hmm. reminder that you are doing this hard thing because you deserve it and you are not responsible for the emotional outcome of somebody who spends all this time hurting you. And the other thing we always say is just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Oh, if you leave me, you're not going to see your children. Oh, Mm -hmm. if you leave me, I'm going to make sure the children know what a horrible witch you are. All of these things that keep women stuck in toxic relationships, you have to really like put those blinders on that the racehorses wear and like focus on the prize, which is your emotional safety. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's 100% the truth to going through the divorce process. You have to remember they, they are going to want to fight over everything. But you get to pick what you're wanting to fight over. And it's not about winning the battles. It's it's about winning the war. And and all you really want at the end of the war is peace, happiness, and for your kids to be okay. Yep. Everything else will fall into place. Amen. That is the truth. And I love that you're ending it on that high note because it can be, you know, there are certain hard truths you have to share about leaving a toxic person. One is you have to get to the place where you have the courage to do it. And then you have to deal with the fallout thereafter. But mm-hmm. nothing good comes easy, as you know. Yes. And, and you know, what I, what I found really, really works well is we don't, we don't see it when we're in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I have somebody, you know, that works with me one-on-one that's still in it, I mean, I we educate on the dynamics inside that relationship because as soon as they understand how it works, most of them go, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm absolutely not doing this one more day. Right. But it's when, it's when we continue to listen to the words that come out of their mouth because, because we're good, kind and caring and we really want to believe, you know? And so we keep getting sucked back in. And as soon as you can realize, yeah, I always tell people when they're talking, just picture a bunch of letters falling out of their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Because they, yeah. their their words hold no weight because two seconds later their actions aren't supporting their words anyway. So so even though we are emotional based people, just be really careful listening listening to the words. They know that if they can just convince you with their words, they'll get with you know what what you want or what yeah. they want. Uh, you don't have to step into the ring every time someone wants to box, and that's that's the truth. Um, 
Heidi, thank you so much for the work that you do. So how can my listeners learn more about you and, and find you and listen to your podcast and all that? Okay. So the podcast is probably just like yours. It's on all the major platforms, but it's called, it's not normal. It's toxic. My website is coaching with Dr. Heidi. And I was going to mention, I have something on my website called the toxicity profile analysis. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So if you have listeners that are maybe that are maybe questioning, is this toxic? Cause, cause they're standing in a room that stinks, right? So they don't really know. And it doesn't seem bad because it happens every day. It's long. It's 106 questions and they're yes or no questions. And they will get a result at the end that basically says you, you may have been mildly moderate or severely affected by the toxic traits of others with an explanation. Okay. Um, and sometimes just reading those will make people go, Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. But the results, the results that come through to me, they're completely different. Each question correlates to one of the 21 character traits that I teach. So I can see how many yeses everybody answers. And so before, before I talk to Michelle on the phone, when she wants to do a consultation, I know exactly which type of personality she's dealing with before I ever talk to her on the phone. And, and so, you know, the TPA works really well, even if you're never going to talk to me on the phone, it's a huge eye opener just to be like, oh my gosh, if these are all toxic traits and I answered 95 of the 106 <laughs> yes, maybe I need to start doing a little more research. Yeah. And I'm going to definitely link this in the show notes because I think for anybody listening to this, there probably is already some level of awareness that they are in a toxic relationship or have left one, but there's nothing like a little validation to keep you going, right? So that and would be great. Yes. And I think, I think validation, and you probably know this, you have to have some validation to stand on when you're thinking about leaving because, because everything is so unpredictable and um, non-consistent that, yeah. you know, just little bits of validation that you can stick in your pocket every now and then actually make a huge difference. Absolutely. For me, it does. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Heidi, for being here. I hope everybody found this episode valuable and we'll go take a look at all of the wonderful resources Dr. Heidi has on her site. So be in touch. If you have questions, podcast topic requests, you know where to find me. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On membership community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.